When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, it's a one-stop shop. If for no other reason, um, you should join teachhoops.com in the sense that we have, um, I don't know about all of you, but I am so sick of all these Zoom calls and all these Zoom clinics. Um, we have, geez, I don't remember, at least seven or eight clinics alone, just clinics alone where you can watch videos, you can sit there um, on top of hundreds and thousands of, of resources and, you know, um, individual coaches that we taped and stuff. So there's plenty of information. Um, we will not uh, upsell you. <laughs> I know there's somebody out there right now that um, is selling. Uh, it, it has a membership site and then is also selling a zone offense or something like that. We're not going to do that. If we're going to put that in our membership, that's what we do. Um, we, we're not going to drip it out to you. We're going we're gonna to put it right there for you to have at all times. So go over and check it out, dtubes.com for coaches who want to get better. Also, go over and check out Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Um, the only place you'll find a discount for $350 off, just mention Coach Unplugged. Let me know. I will give them a call. To, they'll make sure they take, take really good care of you. But mention Coach Unplugged, you get $350 off your next purchase. All right, let's head off to the podcast. I, I would say that has not been our strong suit. Um, I think we've been a much better team in zone than we have been in man. I, you know, that's something that I've investigated a lot of. You know, we play with a shot clock in Massachusetts. So this is another thing I've, I've run into as I've talked to more and more coaches across the country is I'm always shocked at how many how many uh, states still don't have it. But it's a lot. It's a lot that don't have it. You know, and, 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 and how you prepare matters. Like we don't have a shot clock. Most states don't have a shot clock. Um, I think Georgia just got it. But probably it'd be interesting to know me, man. Zones, how that changes when the shot clock comes. That would be interesting. How many people start pressing when the shot clock comes? Um, how long is your shot clock? Thirty seconds. 
oh shoot, I would two two one the whole game. I'd slow. I'd think, take ten seconds off the clock every time. Yeah, and and that's uh, you know that that I think is something to think about, right? Like right. I had talked earlier, like I would prefer on the offensive end for us to play a little faster, you know, just to get out in the open and and, and rather than play five on five every single possession. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to make you waste 10 to 12 seconds of the 30 second shot clock in high school. Right. Now you're down right. to 18. Now I got to play defense until you get down to this five or six mark. And then you're going to have to, you're going to have to do something. Um, yeah. And that, and that's the thing, right? Like if you play zone though, it's going to slow the game down. And we've found that like it's slowed down the game, a good two to three possessions a game by going to the zone versus, versus us being in, in man. But you know, if we can turn the other team over and make up a couple of those extra possessions than what we're getting in the man, I feel like we can make it up. And right. like you, what you've already said is, is our approach too. like, we want to try to, make them kill eight to 10 seconds before they're even in their half court zones. Right. And so, so I'm not pro or anti shot clock, but that is one of the reasons I don't think it should be in the high school because that's forcing everyone into the same box a little bit. Um, At least the people that are good at adjusting. I think what makes high school unique is if there isn't one, you and I can, I can go fast. You can go slow. We got to, I think there's more of a chess match when there isn't a shot clock. That's just my, um observation um 30s fast I, 30 might be the fastest and i don't think anybody's less than 30 no i can't imagine i can't imagine that are. no i mean, I, mean I think most are 35 i've never i've never coached without it so i don't even know the difference you know i've never experienced anything other than that we've we've had it in massachusetts since 1999 i believe so wow wow you know I, i've never coached anything other than that yeah um, it's interesting you know i mean i would say what we see is i, I would it, from year to year, it kind of depends. I mean, two seasons ago, uh, out of 19 games, we only saw three zones, I think, the whole year. And this past season, I think it was about um, split right down the middle. So, you know, it's – I think we see more zone than most teams see in non-shot clock uh, states. Yeah, my guess is – well, and I'm from Wisconsin where, you know, Bo Ryan and the, and the Bennetts are from, so – there's pack line up the gazoo here, you know, <laughs> everyone, everyone can play man in Wisconsin. Trust me, like no tomorrow. If you saw Virginia play, that's, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> Both Bennett's are from, I mean, all right, good. Let's do the wrap up. That's perfect. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do, these are just sort of some random thoughts and this is some of this is probably already like a little repetitive from what we've said, but I do think like if we went back to my like practice guide idea, you know, yep. one of the things is like, I wanted to keep drills simple. You know, I prefer like the three on three sessions or, or, or like our four on four cutthroat sessions and, you know, drills that aren't just sort of intricate. I mean, I think most coaches, you know, over the course of your career, and we've probably done them ourselves, done drills where players like, you know, just give you that look like, what are you talking about? And I think that's a good indicator that like this drill is adding layers that it doesn't need. And, you know, so I think keeping your drills simple. And having a clear goal within the drill, like a clear teaching point in mind, I think is, is important. You know, if there is it, if we don't know what the clear teaching point is, I mean, that's just the drill I'm going to ditch and, right. and not include in the practice. You know, trimming down your, your, your drills, I think, you know, I think that is a, something I've really tried to do is, and look, at if we don't use it, why bother putting it on this giant sheet that, that we have? You know, I don't want my practice sheet to look like um i'm co- you know like i'm the offensive coordinator for the eagles or something and right 700 pages 
Yeah, right. I, I, I want this to be simple and to trim down the only to the things that I that you know are really really like going to define our style. You know, and I, I mentioned this already, so I won't be repetitive. But like, don't ignore certain phases of the game. And and we kind of touched on this early on. You asked about defense going last all the time. We've got I've got to be cognizant of making sure that all right, you know, we're going to get right into the half court D or let's do transition D and half court D at the start and, and throw the other stuff to the end. I think that's something that you have to be cognizant of. I think I have probably done that a little bit in the past. So something I, I would recommend. And, uh, you know, I think this is just best practice, right? Is get as many people engaged in whatever drill you're doing as possible. You know, even if it's one-on-one, let, let do, you know, do one-on-one and four hoops um, rather than at two ends. You know, what, one drill I had in mind that I would do a lot early on is we would play one-on-one all around the key, right? So from the, you know, let's say I get everyone matched up and we play one-on-one from like the corner, then the wing, then the top, then, right. you know, like it's like three minutes between each rep for the players. And I just think there's got to be a better way to do, to do that and keep people engaged in what you're doing. You know, even if it's like, Hey, let, let's shorten our practice, but let's get more people involved in what we're doing and heighten like uh, the energy in the gym and the engagement in the practice. And then lessen the time we're in the day. Yeah, that was that. that was sort of my last. Little yeah, that's thought. perfect. And and I'll I'll uh, at the bottom I'll I'll put your email, website, Twitter thing all in the bottom of the of the of the podcast too, so they awesome. they can find all that and find your newsletter and all those great things. Um, one question for me: If you could only do three things at at practice, that's the last screen, right, Coach? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, if you could only do three things at practice, what would they be? You could only do three things. Yes. I, I think we would, I think we would, we'd, we'd work on shooting and that okay. kind of shooting and we would work on, we'd play four on four and we would use cutthroat as our four on four. And, um, and, and I would probably do uh, a transition drill that we work on uh, this five on three. We just call it five on three touch. So basically, you know, I'd throw it to a player. I'd yell two numbers. Those two numbers got to touch the baseline and trail the play. So we're sort of playing five on three. And those usually give us good moments to work on what we call flow. So, like, we probably won't get a transition score. We have to now kind of flow into our half-court offense, right? I mean, we don't – we, you know, maybe other coaches' approaches are different, right? Get it to the point guard, pull it out, set up on – we just want to be able to – get into our spacing, get it to the top, get it to the slot, change it, and then we're in strong. And, like, you know, I think those three elements, I think, would accomplish a lot of our goals. Get our shooting in, work on our half court, O or D in that combo fashion, and then get our transition game down with something like that. I think we could get a lot of things done with, with those three. When do you normally practice? We practice late. We You know, most – Nights were either six to eight or where some nights this year we had to go seven to nine. I mean, I got, I got four kids and okay. we got one gym and uh, I got to pick up the kids after school. So usually we got to squeeze in the girls team, the girls JV team, my JV team. And then the, and the there's varsity. one, and there's one court. That's it. And we got okay. one court and all four teams got to use it from two o'clock to whenever. So, you know, we, we were pretty good about, um, you know, if we got to overlap with our JV group, I obviously don't want to be in, I don't want to be in the gym all the way till nine. Like we've got to be in school the next day. They do. We, I do. So, you know, I, I would, I, I would usually try to overlap, but yeah, we go late. 
Okay. Um, what's your biggest challenge as a coach? Challenge. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, I think the challenge would be not getting caught up in wins and losses. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I really think getting caught up in the wins and losses can take the joy out of coaching. I think if you really got down to it, you know, I like we're talking about practice planning and like, this is what I love to do. Like you get right. in the gym and you see players get better or, or like, you know, you see players like execute some concept that you are like have been working on for so long. And like, that is what uh, I think really brings co most coaches joy. And I think the game sometimes can really take away from that. It can. Because I mean, uh, you're, because ju you're judged, you're judged in, in public and you're oh, judged yeah. on whether you win or lose, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my brother told me, my brother, one of my friends told me after, like, after, after I won my first state title and then I didn't win it the next year, he goes, if you're only going to be happy, if you win your last game, you're not going to be a very happy person. And I was, you know, my 30s and I didn't know. And it's like, now I look back and it's like, well, that's true. It's like, I, I think age helps with that a little bit, but yeah, it's like, if you, if, if it's only the wins and losses, you're in the wrong profession, to be honest with you, uh, in the long haul. Uh, it's gonna, it, it will, it will, it will kill you. Um, what's your strength and what's your weakness as a coach? As a strength, I feel like, um, I feel like I do a good job of finding ways to like, you know, finding ways to pick our guys back up. And I feel okay. like I, that was what I always enjoyed about the coaches that, um, you know, I had, I got, a, you know, just like a couple guys in mind right away that I had as a younger player. And, you know, the one thing they always made sure they did was to come back around at some point and reconnect Right. You. And I think, I think I do a decent job of that. At least I, I think most players would, would say that I, I do, even if it's like the start of practice, you know, let's say you really had to get after a guy in the game for something and make sure that, you know, you can reconnect with them at practice the next day. You know, I feel right. like that's something that is, um, you know, I think that's something that is a strength of mine. Uh, you know, a weakness, um, I, I would, I would probably say like, um, just, I, I think over the years, like, I think I've, I've got it now, like what I really truly like want to teach and like how I prefer to teach. But I think that that was something that I struggled with was it's easy for people to say like, you know, what's your identity? Maybe some coaches have the, have a great path and they know it right away. Right. Like that they know this is the way I would, but I don't think that's always true for every no. coach. I think I probably had to do a little bit of that myself. Right. Just, just finding out what that identity is and then sticking to that. Yeah, like, you know, think, uh, I think being, that's true, something being, being true to yourself is the thing. Yeah. I had a hard time delegating in my younger days. I would agree. Add but I wanted to, to but I wanted to stay married. So I eventually figured out how to do it. <laughs> add that add delegation to my list. I'm terrible with that. Oh yeah. It's like, because I I'm not, the, and, and the thing is now I'm perfect. Now I bet I talk, I, th I bet out of a practice, I bet I talk 30% of the time. Maybe I talk 30% of the time because I have, I have a staff now that I, that I trust that they know what we need to do. It's perfect. I mean, but it takes time to build that. It's like build it's it's building your team. Like to be honest with you, it's like you run a business, you got to build your team. It's the exact same thing when you're when you have a staff. When you find the staff, ooh, it's like a, ooh, it's good. It allows you to keep coaching to be honest with you. Um what uh if you could talk to one coach, who would it be? Any sport. Any, why? any, any sport. I mean I, I really always, uh, I really enjoy listening to um, Jay Wright. He's good. I really like his philosophy on, just his philosophy on keeping things simple, you know, focusing on the skill development aspect of the game. Like, obviously, he is able to recruit the type of talent that 
it's how he prefers to play. Yeah, I, I understand that uh, is is different, but I just think that he, I think, uh, seems to have arrived at like the perfect place where he knows what he wants to teach, and he his teams execute that now, and and you can see it over years. Right. I think that he's a he's a great example of that. Yeah. So going into that, what do you think the hardest concept to teach is? I've just always I've just always thought. Uh, I think two, one thing, I got one on D and one on O. Uh, first of all, offense, I think teaching kids to use screens is something that is really hard. I think it's, uh, it's horrible. They're horrible at it. And, and and all they watch on YouTube is like one-on-one screen. And that's all they watch and they still can't read screens. I know. Man, I, I think it's, it's not, I guess it's not an easy skill either. You know, I think uh, a lot of kids get like sort of the blinders on to the ball, like cut to the ball as opposed yeah. to sort of reading how their guy is playing them. I think that is a skill that takes a lot of time. And I really would prefer to, to use screens within our, our, you know, our offense, but it is something that is uh, tough to do. Well, and, the, and it, I, it's, a, it's a basic concept of use the screen or reject, reject the screen. They don't, I mean, I've had some unbelievably great players and I've had to teach them, well, don't use it, go at it like you're going and then reject it and go the other way. No one's going to expect no one. I mean, when you watch high school games, how many kids reject the screen, you know, they'll fake like they're going and they'll reject it and go the other way. I mean, it's like, that's something I charted. It was like 10% of the time they reject it. And it's like, no one's, everyone's expecting to hedge or fight or do whatever they're going to do. Go like you're going and then reject it. Go the, I mean, it's so many little nuances to that too. Um, you know, just like one thing I see a lot on our film is even though let's say we get actually get a great shot out of it, but just not closing the space between you and your defender before you make the cut. I mean, it's almost like maybe I think to kids who don't have a lot of experience, it's like it, it, it's against, it seems like it's uh, counterintuitive, right? Like it is. I want to get away from this guy. I don't want to go towards him. And I think that is, that concept is. And why do you think, why don't you think they're good at it? I have a theory on it. Well, I, I know they haven't worked on it. I mean, I know. And, well, that they, well, why do you think our generation was better at it than their generation? Uh, I well, I mean, I always it's hard to say answer those like specifically, but I I honestly just think that screening was a bigger part of the previous generation's uh, knowledge base. Well, and, and I can th- I can watch pickup games with our guys, and I watch pick, and I know when I played pickup games, there was a lot more screening when we played, like yeah. in pickup games and conceptually than there. Now there's lots of ball screen set, but there's not, there's the other screening. I mean, maybe it's because that generation was more like swing flex. There was more structure, those kind of things, maybe. But I just don't think the reads were the same. And, and you know, I'm, this is kind of cheating, but I do think another thing, it just this is maybe too broad, but just on ball defense, I just, man, if you have a, a player that really struggles with anticipating and just, I think, trying to teach a, a poor defender in the time, small time frame you have to be a good on ball defender, I just, it's really difficult. And I understand like getting good at anything is not easy. But I've just found that in the time frame we have in, in our season in Massachusetts, getting somebody who's a poor defender to, like, make the leap is a really difficult task. And- hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying it. I'm going to give a big shout-out to our two other podcasts in the Coach Market Media Conglomerate um, Teacher Side Gig. So go over and check that out. And uh, High School Hoops. So Teacher Side Gig is talk, talking about teachers and their side gigs and how they make a little bit of extra money. And High School Hoops talks about 
um, high school hoops talks about obviously high school basketball once a week. And we try to keep that as pertinent. That, that's kind of like your dance. If things are going on, we're talking about that. We do those weekly. Um, and it's always fun for me to talk to Jake about that. Make sure you subscribe and like to this one. Leave a review. We would appreciate that. And go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. All right, listen back to the podcast. Right. And, it, and the thing is, you can be horizontal. You can be challenged horizontally and maybe not be as quick. But if you get your footwork down, you can make up a lot of – you can't make up all of it. Um, and, the, and, the, and, the, and a huge difference between like a D3 player and a D2 or a D2 and D1 is whether they can defend the ball. But you can close that with footwork. You can close that with anticipation. You can yeah. close those things down, which I think is, I, I agree, is a, such a hard concept to teach because it's such a minuscule footwork, anticipation, all of those things. I, I agree. Is there, um, is there one thing that you would change about the game? You know, one thing I just really despise is just charge. The way that charges are called at the high school game, I just... It really just drives me crazy. It's a coin toss. It's a coin toss. I, I, I know that it's, I just, if I, if I, this is probably not a popular choice and all the defensive minded people listening here are probably <laughs> going to tune out right now, but I just, I hate the idea of uh, off the ball charge. I just have always you felt see, that I don't way. seem, yeah. I, I just always, I hate the idea of. Do you see you many know, off the ball uh, charges? I can't even think of one called this year that I saw. Sort of what, what I'm saying is like, I, I would rather like a good, defender i'm guarding you yeah you try to run through me that rewards good defense i just i hate the idea of an offensive player blowing by his man and then someone just runs in his way and stands there and that's reward i like i've okay. never understood why that is a huge i've never understood why that was something we should reward i just i don't know i know i'm probably in the minority with that but <laughs> well here's the issue i have too it's a it's a coin toss these are these guys are the, the the women and men that are officiating the games have day jobs. They're like accountants or they're like you know businessmen, and then they come and try to do it. That's the crazy part, and it's like it's a guess. It's literally a guess half the time. Yeah, I um, just. I mean, and I work on it. I work on taking them because there's there's times where I'll have people that won't take. I won't let them try to take them because they're they're too valuable to have on the court. Um. All right. So here's what we're gonna do, coach. We're gonna do rapid fire, which I'm gonna ask you a quick question. And then you're going to give me, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Um, what's your favorite brand type of basketball? Uh, we used um, we used these Baden balls. This and you year. like those? I, I loved them. I, I thought they were way better than the, uh, I want to say we usually have a, a Spalding, like 1,000s. TF-1000. Yeah, that's what um, our state uses. Uh, we, we bought these, these Baden ones that were really nice. And I, if I had to keep those, I'd keep them. Okay. Um, one word to describe your ideal player. Is versus somebody who can do a little bit of everything. I'm telling you, if I was starting a high school team, voice team, I would take five guys, all 6'2", six, 6'3", six, athletic and versatile. I'm telling you, I, I, I'll beat you every time if you give me five of those. I don't need a center. I don't need a point. I just need, ver yes, I need guys that can do a little bit of everything. And then I'll find their strengths and weaknesses and hide their weaknesses and accentuate their but if I'm long like that, ooh, I love I love versatile. I do love versatile. If you go one sporting event in the world, what would it be and why? I would love to see a, a, a Celtics NBA Finals game. You know, I think just the atmosphere indoors is 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 uh, is amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I've been to football games and I feel like you know because those games are at home, they're not on neutral sites. You know, and obviously whatever your home 
team is. I just feel like getting to like a game seven or getting to like an elimination game would be amazing. I love, I love, I love Steven. I think he's a great coach. Great coach. I hope the Boston keeps him forever. I love him. He's a great coach. I think the Bucks are better than you guys right now, but <laughs> I also think we have one of the best players in the world on our team. I think Giannis at his age, I think they could win it if they go back. I think they could, they got a shot. I think, um, we'll see. Uh, favorite pregame meal. I, I mean, I, I don't even have anything. I got nothing for you. I never eat before the games. I hate eating before the games. Uh, okay. Do you have a favorite postgame meal? <laughs> I mean, this would imply that there's a meal waiting for I don't after, the, after those games and, and uh, maybe it's a McDonald's <laughs> number three or something. I don't sadly, know. Okay. That, sadly, that's usually what happens. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, I know it's like this 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 quarantine thing has not been good for me. I've been trying to work it off. Um, one skill not being taught in today's game. Uh, I I I think it has to be. I, I think if we're talking about high school here. Yep. Yeah, if, we, if we're talking about high school, I, I really just think that it would be between finishing or screening and cutting, like off-ball screening and cutting. I think uh, even most of the off-ball stuff we see is not read-based. It's, it's predetermined, you okay. know, whether it's like a flex cut uh, yeah. or something like that, you know. So I, I think those are, it'd probably be a tie between those two. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know what other guys are doing in their practice. I, I, I think I per my list is the mid-range jump shots not being taught. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. And, and you know what? I, so this is for someone who thinks like I think. I think there's something that can be exploited there because I think there's openings in that now. So here's my theory. I understand. I'm a stats teacher, so get me. I get, I get the whole statistical thing about the three, and I get about the whole, you know, shooting layups at the rim and getting free throws. Right. But I think way offenses are – defenses are going to adjust to the game that it is becoming, which is threes and attacking the rim. That means you got to be one step ahead of the defenses, which I mean, I think that 10 to 12 footer needs to become like a layup. Kids need to be able to just hit that because it's open. If you go back and watch your film, it's open, right? People are giving you those shots. So if you can all of a sudden clip those things at 55, 60%, because they're open now it's not now i think that's that's a change a little bit it's just something to think about but um i'm always trying to stay one step ahead of the game and the game right now is threes and attack the rim you know i i i would agree and, and you know just to, to some extent like I, I i also deter us from taking mid-range you know but i've had a couple kids over the last few years that were really good you know if, we, if you're talking like points per shot where we're actually i have one of our best player He's really good at it, you know. I would prefer him to go all the way to the rim, but you know, I think once to get what you said, you know, if you look at the huddle stats from your game or whatever film you got, you know, you guys use, I, the, what are the what is the edge? I think people are moving closer to that standard. Like the number of threes per game are not drastically different from one team to the next as you look at the the stats that are available to you, but. Yeah, I think there's something to be said there. Like, at what point does that just become like there is no edge in that because everyone is doing it. And then I don't know. I I, I haven't dived. I haven't dove into it enough to get. But I, I'm just thinking. I just I'm seeing this huge wave right now, and it's like there's people are going to counter this wave. I'm not sure what it's going to be. Maybe they're going to move the high school line back. I don't know. Um, something's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. Uh, one thing you do to relax. I mean, uh, I will say I got four kids under nine, so how do you uh, how relaxing do you, is not a, not a, is not a high how do you find time to read? You know, I um, 
I try to do it once bedtime's over and okay. once they're down and, and try to find that time. I mean, ideally I'd love to do something like that in the morning and, and then use the rest of the day to do whatever. That, that, that would, that would probably be it. You know, I've been, at least in this quarantine, really been trying to, to do a bit of running and we got the, you know, we moved the treadmill in the garage. So we've been kind of taking turns running out there. And I think just doing some books on tape on audible. Audible is a great, I'm telling you, I don't, re- I fall asleep falling asleep when I'm reading. You can tell in my library, I love reading. But the problem is I start reading, especially if it's at night and I'll start dozing. But if I'm doing something and I'm listening to it, I can, it's like walking the dogs or jogging or doing something like that. I love Audible. I think you're great. Best basketball player of all time. I, I refuse. I refuse to get in this discussion on Twitter. But I, I mean, I just don't see how anyone can have a resume that matches Jordan's. I just don't understand it. You know, I guess I get it from people who were, you know, in the, let's say 10, 15 years younger. So they're in the LeBron and, and Kobe stage. I just don't understand how anyone can match it, a resume. That well, first like- of all, he never lost the game. He never played in a game seven and he never no, lost not a final. And, he, and he never oh, lost the final. He'd have won, yeah. he'd have won more than six if he hadn't gone and played baseball. I don't know. I agree. I mean, it's, we're sounding like old farts, but no. that, that's not my, uh, I'm not, I can't get involved. In I'll get, I get it. I, I agree. Michael, Michael gets from, you, you're probably the hundredth coach. I've asked the question. Michael's gotten like 97%. Now older generation I get, but, um, I, I agree. Um, uh, one thing that helped you become a better coach, man, there's a lot of things that, that sort of like flood to mind, but just keeping things more simple, like learning to just simplify what I was trying to do both at, in practices and in games. Uh, I really just, you know, I can think of like a moment in my career, like around like year eight, where I just like, I couldn't deal with the play calling, like calling games. Like I'm a football coach. I just can't do it. And it's not enjoyable. I, I hated it and tried to embrace more of like a conceptual style of play, even if it's something like motion based or dribble drive based. Like, you know, that has been, I think, uh, a, something that's made the game more enjoyable. Best game you've seen in person. Yeah, I don't I don't get to enough enough games in person. Uh, I did get to like years ago, uh, Celtics playoff game against the Nets uh, back in the early 2000s. Um, sort of before the big three era uh, that, was, that, that was that was pretty exciting back in the day. I was a younger man back then so right. uh, that <laughs> was a problem, but I, I gotta I gotta get out more for the yeah, I know yeah that's okay um favorite quote this is this is sort of a tough one let me let me just find it so that I'm not misreading it this is a, a quote from uh, Greg McCune who, who writes this book uh, essentialism he's actually got a, a podcast out now and uh, just a lot of talk about keeping it simple and well, the quote I really love is, if it isn't a clear yes, then it's a clear no. And I just really feel like you can apply that to anything. And I think we're in the day and age, right, where especially from March to right now, I mean, if you could find as much basketball knowledge that you could ever use in, in an entire lifetime. Too much. I think you have Too to much. Ask, Too much. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, you have to ask, like, is this something I am going to do? And if it's not like a clear, yes, we're doing this, then I think at some point you got to just delete it or slide it out. I think that's a great way to like, uh, that's a quote I really like. I wish I'd have had that quote of a month ago when my son was trying to figure out if he wanted, he's going to be a freshman in college and he was trying to figure out, should I go or should I take a gap year? And if it is, and it, and it was like, he was going back and forth. And if it wasn't a clear, yes, it's a, it's a clear, no, 
he eventually came to that conclusion. Like, I just don't know what this year is going to look like. So I'm not, I'm going to wait a year and see what fits better. Yeah. So I love that. That's a great quote. Um, uh, one word to describe your coaching style. Uh, I, I, I feel like I am player friendly. You know, I, I, I've just felt like I try to be someone that, that they can talk to and try to be someone that they listen. If they have a suggestion that needs, you know, that they see that maybe I don't see, or, um, you know, I think tried to be like that kind of a coach. Open-minded would maybe be another one. I think too, I think I'm someone who is really willing to like be critical and really look back at what I've done and, and say, if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm going to admit that I'm wrong and, and, and try to fix up whatever I'm doing. So I think those two things I think would be, be good descriptors. Okay. Um, best basketball coach of all time. Yeah. All of all time. Huh? Uh, I would probably, man, I, I, I guess it's, it's hard to argue. I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up in the, in the Phil Jackson, uh, last dance. I'm going to, I'm going to ignore Phil here. And it's tough to say as a, as a Massachusetts Celtics person, it's tough to ignore Red Auerbach from a GM coach, philosophical, uh, I think Bill Russell. I think Bill Russell's in the discussion of the best, one of the best players of all time. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, man. There are a lot of ways you could you could go with that one, but yeah. I mean, he, he is someone that yeah. I gotta give my region. Yeah, I, I I give you give your region. That's good. Um, if you could only recommend one book, what would it be? Because you uh, that, listed three. You listed three on the questionnaire. You get one. I did, and and I, I would. One book I really love is um, that I read uh, this past year is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Love that book. Love that book. Yeah, you know, and I think even even before I read the book, I mean, I've been reading his articles on uh, online for years. So anything that you can take and apply it to coaching, teaching in the classroom, or you know, even parenting for you know to some extent, I think is uh, is is a great. Is, is a great book to like invest in, right? right. I, I, and I like basically it. his premise is to change a habit, you have to do a little change at a time. You can't do, it's like, it's a little change basically. If you Yeah, you know, we were just talking about this tonight. We, you know, we've been like trying to run every day and, and, and get some time in. So we had to move the, uh, the treadmill from the basement into the garage. And like that small little change, right now it's right next to the kitchen. All I gotta do is walk out of the room and I'm in there as opposed right. to go down into the basement, you right. know, like removing the little barriers. Uh, I think that was a good example from his book, you know, that he, he suggested. So yeah, it's just a small change can do it. So give the other two. You, yeah, you talked about one of them already. That's your answer. I'll, I'll take that as your answer. But with the other two books? Yeah. I mean, essentialism is a great one. I yep. mean, recommended uh, radius athletics is, uh, you know, I out on Twitter um, that is, you know, he's have worked with for, for a few years and uh he recommended that book and it's amazing like just you know a way to like look at every part of your life and i took a lot of coaching takeaways like just simplify do we need all these things that we have whether it's drills or plays just all sorts of like unnecessary things and i think uh, it's, a, it's a great book to like reread i've read it a couple times and you know pulled stuff out that i really like uh, yeah another one i read too was um good to great so it was a, it's a business book, you know, about 15 businesses that made the jump from good to great. What they, the book tried to pull out were like a few things, like what were the commonalities that made these companies great? And I, I actually thought there were some great basketball takeaways. You know, one of the things they would, they talked about was leadership, you know, being the kind of leader that would, uh, that would, um, you know, would make choices with the big picture in mind and a lot of details in there. I don't want right. you know, to, but you know, 
the hedgehog concept was a big piece of this, right? This idea that, you know, put all your eggs into this one basket and become great at this one aspect, right? And as opposed to like trying to do all these different things and not being great at any of them. I think you had kind of alluded to something like that earlier. Right. Yeah. Those, those are three that I've read in like the last couple of years that I just, you know, I keep, I always think of when I see little things in, in on Twitter or see them on conversation. You know, I always kind of draw back. That's great. So last parting, the last question I always ask is what would you tell your younger self? Yeah. I think a lot of what we had, a lot of what we had talked about earlier is um, what I would tell a younger self would, would be like, to put a lot of thought, I think if I, so if I was back as me, as a JV coach, I would be thinking more about what is the kind of, what do I, how do I want to play? Like, how do I truly want, you know, I'd worked for a couple of different head coaches who each had different styles. I coached football for six years and got a chance to work under two other guys. And they, they all kind of had their, their um, different lessons that I learned from all of them. But I think should have spent more time figuring out what it is you want to do. Like, ignore what you know ignore you know sort of like maybe what had been done previously like what do you want to do figure that out and then just and and go with it even if it isn't successful in the first year right in a couple weeks i mean what if it's not successful like you got to keep investing in it and get better at that style of play so that would be the big one no i think that's great all right i will put i will make thank you coach i will make sure i put all your contact stuff down down below and and people will be able to get a get a hold of you so thank you i appreciate it all right coach thank Thanks. you so much for having me yep hey everybody if you like the podcast make sure you subscribe like leave a review jump up and down run around your house whatever you need to do also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better have a great day Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.